Hey, this is Kieran, Coaches Corner Chats, and in this episode, I speak with Mike Rattlebeck and his soccer journey in Connecticut from club, high school to college to now being a high school and a club coach. It's so awesome. You'll hear throughout the idea of grit. It really does go a long way. Mike's an actual living proof of it. Great stuff in this. Tons of value. I know that you will love this episode. Thanks for listening. Hey, this is Karen Coaches Corner Chats. And tonight or today I have uh, Michael Rettelbeck. Uh, Michael or Mike, give us a little uh, insight onto where you're at, what you're up to, and uh, we'll rock and roll. Cool stuff. Um, so I live in Connecticut, so uh, kind of close to UConn, uh, University of Connecticut, if that's a reference point for anyone. Uh, right now, I teach middle school physical education, and I'm a high school soccer coach um, at varsity level, and then I also coach club soccer on the side in the off season. So uh, a little bit about how I got here is I uh, grew up in Connecticut as well. Very small high school, so we never really had tryouts. We kind of just showed up for the first day of practice. We probably had about 30 kids come, and, you know, we divvied them up here in varsity here on JV, and we kind of got on with things. There was never any cuts. We were never uh, large of an, enough of a school to have that luxury. So we weren't the most competitive. Um, the funny story I usually lead in to describe how uncompetitive we were is my first year I played both varsity and JV, and the varsity team went 0-16. And when I was in eighth grade the year before that, they also went 0-16 that year before. So uh, those of you count along at home, that's a whopping 0-32. Um, and then we uh, show up, we had a JV a game the next day after the last varsity game. And I go to the home field and spray painted on the field is 0-32 uh, by our rivals. They, they were sure to uh, let us know that they – they wrote it in there. So that was my introduction to high school soccer, but, uh, but played club as well. So, uh, you know, towards the older ages of my high school career, I was exposed to some, to some better coaching um, in my town soccer, as well as even at the club when I was younger, I didn't have a great, you know, soccer mind as a mentor, you know, I had some great people who, who cared for me and, and loved me Um and, and were great coaches and truly did the best they could, but um, wasn't really exposed to that higher level coaching until my later high school year. So uh, played soccer at Eastern Connecticut State University Division Three school. And uh, that's really, really where I got exposed to the game um, tactically. And, and I grew a lot, even away from the soccer side, just as a person. Um, I was lucky to have a, a great coach to lead us who taught us a lot about holding each other and, and ourselves accountable, um, how to not make excuses, how to grow as people, how to grow up. So I was very lucky to have that um, foundation in college. Um, there was much more competitive soccer. We went to four um, NCAA tournament appearances, uh, three conference championships, and then we actually did get an at-large bid one year. I believe it was the first year in our program. So that was a big, that was a big deal for us. Um, but I just love that, that experience. And, and it's something I fall back on a lot. I, I really um, enjoyed my time there. And I, I think I did make the most out of it. So that was the high school and then college experience. So 
when you were at the high, what was, so what were some of the issues that caused you all to go 0 and 32 now that you kind of look back on it? I mean, I know it, it one might be talent, but yeah, was there more to it than just the fact that maybe there, the quality of player was not there? Um, quality of player, uh, level of commitment. I've coached teams that weren't the most talented before, but they were committed mm -hmm. and we didn't have that. Um, and then the coaching, you know, it's, it's kind of like a small town, like, you know, try it or cycle, like you don't have talent. So therefore you don't attract a, uh, you know, a coach, um, you know, to turn things around and then people aren't committed, it kind of snowballs on itself. Yeah. Um, and then they're, everyone's complacent when there's no tryouts, you know, everyone knows already they're going to make the team. So they don't need yeah. to work that hard in preparation. So, um, love the kids, made great friends, you know, but, uh, didn't expose me to the highest level of playing there. Did it, did it improve throughout your high school career? Like to your junior, senior year, did some, what changed, did something change a little bit maybe with the program? Because you must've done something right to have caught the eye of like being able to play at um, the next level. Yeah, I think it was me. And then a friend of mine, we were the only two to go on to play college soccer um, that I've played with. So for the three years above me and three years below me, I don't think anyone's gone on to play college soccer. It's other people have in the, in the past, of course, but in my immediate time. Um, so we were, you know, we were best friends. We were, we were into it. So we would kind of get people committed around us. And uh, that's truly where I think I started, you know, a coaching mentality or a leadership mentality is because I, I had to tell Jake to mark that man. Otherwise he wouldn't have known to do it. And so me and me and my friend kind of get people together, say, Hey, let's go to the field. Let's, let's train for the season coming up. And then finally by our senior year, we did make the state tournament. Uh, we had a lot of ties. It still wasn't that pretty, but, uh, but we made it there. So just through, I guess, le leadership and, uh, and wanting it and getting more committed, uh, we, we were able to, you know, get more competitive. We didn't win our conference or our state title, but still, still learned a lot. I think it's cool, though, that you took what started off rough, um, losing 32 or even just leaving, when losing 16 in a season is not enjoyable. But to kind of keep, like, it would have been easy to be like, oh, it is what we are, and then chill. But it was cool to kind of, like, yeah. that. and it kind of spearheaded you, I think, to where you are now. So was there, was there a point, uh, at what point did you say, hey, I want to go to the next level and play at, at the college level? Um, it was sometime in my club soccer career. So probably around like a sophomore in high school, I really kind of maybe verbalized it. So I knew I enjoyed the game. I knew I wanted to play as long as my career would allow me to. Um, but then right around the sophomore uh, year in high school, I got a little bit more focused. Um, and so I actually wasn't heavily recruited, you know, being at the small school didn't help, but I was kind of a big fish in a small pond for sure. Very small mm -hmm. pond. And uh so a lot of people get recruited and they commit maybe uh, a year in advance, you know, mid-season during their high school season to go play in college. Um, I didn't know I was playing at my school until July and then preseason started in August. So it's de definitely a different route. Um, but through some connections, I knew I wanted to go to Eastern Connecticut and uh, my club coach knew that coach and I asked him to put in a good word for me. He came, watched me play and then, uh, we talked it out from there and luckily it worked out. I'm finding the more I talk to people uh, in this coaching kind of podcast journey, 
it's so much not almost what you know, but it's almost a lot of who you know. It's the networking and being able to like reach out um, and get some <laughs> connections. And so um, you spoke really highly of your college coach. So what were some of the things that that he's that he did that you look at now when you do like your high school program? What are some of the things you took from what he did that you use now? Um ton of things, man. Ton of things. Name's Greg DeVito, coaches at Eastern Connecticut State University. Uh, still keep in touch. Great guy. And probably one of the biggest things is just the mentality. And, uh, you know, co he coaches, you know, college kids. You're 18, 19, 20. And, and that's a time where you could not do certain things in the offseason and just say, ah, oh, no, forget about it. He didn't let you do that. Um, if he asked you to do something, you were going to do it. And you could even do it on time but maybe it wasn't up to his standards. And so his level of standards were very high, especially being a college freshman, your eyes kind of widen and you realize, Oh, you know, this is, this is the level that uh, he's going to make us rise to. And, and that's what it is. You either sink or swim. You know, if you're, if you're 10 minutes early, you're late, you're five minutes late everywhere. He be you be, if he says seven o'clock it's six forty-five, um, And so part of that grit, of getting things done and doing them the right way. And then, you know, all the soccer stuff comes after that. Cause if you can get that foundation and that culture down, you're going to, you're going to be pretty sad for a little bit. So that was one of the biggest things. I think that's, that sticks out. That's so awesome. Cause I was thinking the same thing as you were talking in my head, I was thinking he hasn't mentioned anything about, Oh, he's really good with tactics or his technique. Yeah, yeah. Sessions were unreal. It was just like, whatever we did at a high level, and the expectation, I'm assuming across the board, it didn't matter if you were the bench player or no. the stud, he was on your butt. Oh, yeah. Didn't matter who you were. Didn't matter what you were doing. You could be setting up cones for him. You could be lining up goals. If you say it's, you know, oh, it's good enough. Nope. On the line, boom, you're running. It's not good enough. Um, and it's that's the thing that, you know, sticks sticks with players. It's not always the tactics and the X's, those. It's that grit. And, and I loved that culture. And I didn't, I think, know ahead of time that I would have loved it or what I was getting into. But once I got in that environment of, of, you know, performance and, and growth, I was, I was, I was all in for sure. That, that seems like it was almost like that piece of your high school experience that was missing that like, mm. push to like, okay, you guys are here. And like, I know you play club and I know you're really good here individually, yeah. but I need but there wasn't someone there to push you. And it sounded like having him was the perfect complement for where you, what you needed at that time. Yeah, it really was. Absolutely. That's awesome. So you leave, you leave college <clears throat> and then do you go directly into the high school game as a coach? Yes and no, not to the position I'm at now. So uh, being a PE teacher and uh, I got big into the strength and conditioning when I was in college. And so I know I wanted to coach and I didn't really know what route or avenue. So uh, I was pretty well read. I would read up all the time. And one thing I kept reading on different blogs was that you got to pay your dues. You know, you got to you got to put in the reps. You got to volunteer. You got to work for free. And so I went back to my old high school and it was actually a different coach that I played for. And I introduced myself and I'd say, I'd like to coach your team in the summer. And so the summer is the season before the, the fall. We play in the fall in Connecticut. Um, as, as a way to prepare your team for the season, we would use a ball, um, and as well as do some conditioning, he was on board. I got another school 
actually to pay me, which was great. And so I had two soccer teams from different high schools that I could train in the summer, kind of experiment, you know, blend my two passions, soccer and strength and conditioning. Um, and I loved it. And then from there, I kind of went more to the strength and conditioning side, did a ton of personal training, um, big team groups, you know, uh, baseball teams, basketball teams for strength and conditioning, individual soccer training. And then I, I continued to play soccer. I did some soccer camps, but I was never in fully in the, uh, the high school game okay. um, until about three years ago. And that's where I, I kind of realized I missed it. And, uh, you know, I love the, I like the strength and conditioning thing, but it, it wasn't doing it for me. It didn't, yeah. it didn't get me going. And so I got back involved. I coached where I taught. So I teach at a middle school and I coached that team for two years. Um, and then this position opened up and I had a lot of uh, connections, kind of like you were saying, uh, in the district. And I, and I knew it was a very uh, historic district to coach in the coach I replaced is actually the most winningest coach in high school, Connecticut high school uh, history with 500 and I think 46 wins in his career. So he had been there a long, long time. Couldn't find anyone to say a bad thing about him. He's, he's awesome. Um, and I actually got to know him pretty well, which was cool. So that's kind of the post-college story for you. So, wow. I've got all kinds of interesting. So what, yeah, I know. What, I just, that was awesome though. But so what, um, so let me go back to the summer thing. So what was that experience like of, of working with those high school kids at that time? And what was it like having two different teams from different high schools? Did you end up having to like, man, this group's a little different than this or, mm. and what was that? I guess what's that? And I think it's awesome that you just said, Hey, I'll do this for free. I'll just rock and roll and let's do this. It was cool. Yeah. Their school paid you some, uh, but what was that experience like when you just first started out? It was awesome. So, you know, I was fresh out of college. It's when you're, you know, most so green and excited and uh, it worked out great. So I trained them twice a week and I was, I was at one school Monday, Wednesday, and then the other one, Tuesday, Thursday. And, and I was in love, you know, I could refine my sessions. I could do the sessions twice. Uh, whatever I do on Monday, I'm going to tweak it for Tuesday to make it even better. It was, it was really an ideal environment. Um, and the two schools were, weren't too different, um, you know, so I'm coaching my, my alma mater in high school. And so they were weak um, compared to other schools, but still was this one. I actually set up a scrimmage. They scrimmaged each other during the summer. It was a great experience. Um, and I brought some of that culture and, and that grit to my old high school, which was special for me because, you know, they might not have had those opportunities. Um, and they ended up doing pretty well that year. I think they did qualify for the state tournament um, that year, which they hadn't in a while. So for me, it was an ideal way to start my, my coaching career because I could refine the sessions and try out new things. Yeah. I could experiment. I think that's cool, too, because there wasn't any, like, expectations on you. It wasn't like you yeah. were. It was just like, look, I'm going to give these guys an opportunity to hear a different voice. It gives me an opportunity to get some practice. It helps the coaches out because I know like with our setup, we get 10 coaching days, quote unquote, with guys in the summer. Um, sure. So we're always looking for other guys, coaches that want to come in and like, hey, we just take, I'll take two weeks and work with them and we'll yeah. focus on certain things. So that's, I think that's awesome. Uh, the middle school, what was, <laughs> I've never coached, I mean, I've coached club and sure. like, you know, you nine on, but what was the middle school experience like? Um, as you compare it maybe to your high school experience so far? 
It's uh, it's wild, man. So I teach middle school, so I do it every day. Okay. And uh, that's another thing too, because I'm a high school math teacher, and sure. middle school scares me to death. <laughs> They're squirrely. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, when I was student teaching, I was uh, right before I leave college. Um, my mentor, my my cooperating teacher, was this big football guy. Played football in college, pretty young at the at the time. And uh, I was like, oh, there might be an opening in this middle school I might apply for. He goes, middle school. I didn't apply to one middle school, man. I would have rather not had a job. Yeah. This is big, you know, ex-college football player. And I'm like, oh, man, he doesn't want to teach middle school. So right then I knew what I was getting into. But um, but it's interesting. You just got to know what their what their mind's like at that, at that age. Um, you know, it's a mile a minute. It's puberty. Uh, so the middle school I was at is uh, sixth grade to eighth grade. And so I got kids who are like four foot nothing and then kids who are <laughs> six foot one. Yeah. Um, but the the town I teach in is is a soccer town. So they're pretty competitive. So even at that age, uh, they could handle a good amount. Um, you know, they're clean on the ball. We outpossess a lot of our teams while still creating attacks. Um, and so it wasn't it wasn't like I had to scale back a ton. Mm-hmm. Um but it was the perfect way to restart my coaching career after having a little bit of a hiatus from, from teams. Um, and then I knew all the kids from class. And so it was cool to, to have them on both sides, you know, in school and class. And then uh, on the team and the guys you have on the team stand up a little bit straighter. They start following directions a little bit tighter when you're their coach too. So that part of it was also fun. That's cool that you get that opportunity to kind of work with some of these kids outside the classroom um yeah see them in their in like a different environment uh, is that how it works for you too do you have any of your students well uh, mine's, mine's kind of a, so i i teach at a school that's like 20 minutes away from the school that i coach at um, gotcha so but i know a lot of the kids from like club um and what have you so it is it is a cool dynamic um but i could see i think what i've noticed too at least the gym side they're or physical education side is that the high school, it's really hard to get them motivated to do like gym class. Like, man, I remember when yeah. I was in class, we had, you know, two weeks of tennis and we freaking just crushed tennis. And then it was two weeks of basketball. Yeah. You had to learn all the, you know, the rules and everything about it. And now <laughs> it's, I could see where the middle school I think would be more enjoyable because they're still at that, like, like they just love to just be active and be running around and stuff. Yeah. So that would be really cool. Yeah. Um, on that side uh so then so now the high school game <laughs> dude is here. 500 plus games yeah. what uh did was there any hesitation at all to even go for this job because of that or what or you were like yes to know let's do this yeah i'm i was up for the challenge i was it was never a doubt in my mind to not apply that was never gonna stop me um but i knew enough people around you know alumni, uh, people from neighboring towns. So I had to lay in the land. Um, and, and it was never an intimidating type thing. Um, once you got in there, the school is great, very welcoming, uh, and positive climate. And, uh, I kind of realized that as I was walking in, you know, someone would greet me like a kid, some random students, like, you know, said hello to me. And I was like, wow, like that wouldn't happen at the school I work at. Um, so I knew the vibe of the school was was welcoming and, and pleasant, but 
long and the short of, of it is that when I was hired, they asked that coach, um, John Blomstrand, to uh, to stay on as my assistant coach. So the hiring process was mid-COVID, and uh, the hiring process was pretty extensive. I'll go back to that. Um, but they were they knew I was a first time head varsity coach. Mm-hmm. And they thought, what better way to you know ease into my career and help uh, you know not make some of the rookie mistakes is to have this amazing coach as my assistant. Um, and so they brought it up to me. And at first, they were very polite about it. And they're like, hey, we know it's going to be the Mike Rattleback show, and and we want it to be. But would you would you want consider this? And I was like. Yeah, that I was on board from from Jump Street. That was never a thought <laughs> in my mind that it it had to be my way. So uh, now we're very close. Uh, we keep in touch. The season ended in in November, and we still talk about every two weeks. So very lucky to have that mentor. What were um, what were some of the things that you you feel like maybe that you kind of stole from him, or what was maybe even in place that when you took it over, you're like wow. I already know why this, why this program was so successful. They, one of the things that was early um, going on is, is, is it's a soccer town. It's, it's the history behind the the club. Uh, They have passed alumni who've played for EO Smith high school and they've gone on to play in the MLS and they've gone to play at university of Virginia and, and, and all these prestigious schools. So, I knew they they were they had it going on through and through. They were a soccer town. They're purebreds, um, bigger school, uh, class L, um, so almost one of the biggest conference or state you know divisions mm-hmm. in Connecticut. So they were just a soccer town. You know, kids are, are growing up with the ball at their foot, which was huge. And then uh, one of the biggest things I took away from him uh, was his small side of games. The kids loved them, 3v3, uh, and he would vary it and use different, I want to say, like, mindsets. So if we were playing a tough team coming up, he would play, like, 4v4, like, no neutrals, small field, and he'd want them to feel that pressure the day before the game. Um, and if he knew, you know, we could uh, possess on this team and he wanted us to to combine and knock passes frequently – we play, you know, 3v3 plus one, two-touch limit, make the field, you know, a little bit bigger so the ball's flowing and, and it's moving. And so he, he was a big advocate of small-sided games. So how long was he the head coach of EO Smith? I think from 1970. So I think – was it that long? No. I think I have it down – written down somewhere oh, and I can I was, pull it up. But we're looking at, he's, you're looking at 40 plus years of coaching. <sighs> Just about, somewhere I think like, yeah. And very I, close to that. I will get you that answer before we leave, but. That's impressive that to hear how he's manipulating and for a guy, cause you know, you always hear like he's still coaches like he did in the seventies. And it's so cool yeah. to hear yeah. a guy like that, that, has seems to have kind of gone with changed over the years and is still tweaking things. That's really freaking cool. Yeah. Very cool, man. He's, uh, he's got it going on. His, his name holds a lot of weight in Connecticut. And uh, the way I think it was first explained to me is that he got the record for the most 
wins in Connecticut uh, high school history. And he was inducted to the Hall of Fame for Connecticut. And that that was 10 years ago. So he's had this, you know, by a margin hasn't been, you know, he didn't just pass someone and then retire off. He's he's been around. He's, he's the real deal. So great guy too. Amazing. Just humble, easy to talk to. Can't say enough good things about him. That's awesome. That is so cool. Uh, starting out to have something, someone like that in your corner. What a, that's like a huge, yeah. that's on, that's pretty sweet. Um, yeah. The, 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 the strength and conditioning side. So that's something I've been doing a lot of kind of checking into as to what things can I do? So picking your brain, what, what things do you do with your, your group in terms of, of weight training? Are you guys doing lots of lifts? Is it box jumps? Is there yeah. lots of sprints? Is there plyometrics? What, what kind of things do you try to involve in yours and how often you guys like now in the off season, what, what are the plans in terms of times we're in the gym? And uh, I guess maybe what's your off season look like now? Um, yeah. COVID's kind of messing things up, but. So really I haven't been able to get my hands dirty and do the fun stuff. Like you said, with the lifts and the, in the plyos. Um, so even before uh, the season started, usually I could run conditioning in sessions. We couldn't do anything in person, really. We could do virtual stuff. And so, um, I only really sent them a program for conditioning, but I haven't, I haven't got them in the weight room and, and I did have some kids ask about it. Uh, but with COVID, we haven't been able to do anything, um, unfortunately. Uh, but we could talk, you know, whatever you want, sets and reps, all that. For this last season, I pretty much uh, put a premium on conditioning. Really before the season, I wanted them to come in uh, into the season in good shape. And then uh, also nutrient timing was a big conversation we had. Uh, I found that we were lacking energy. We had a, a very winnable game and we kind of showed up flat. And uh, I went back to, uh, you know, to, to the science and the literature about how you need to fuel and when you need to fuel themselves. But, um, but if you have more specific questions about kind of how you use, you know, box jumps and those things. Yeah. Fire away. That'd be something we I'm sure we can do. We'll, we'll, we'll figure out at some point. Uh, I'm really interested in this nutrient timing. So what, what, what is that? What does that mean? And what is that? So they came out, they came out sluggish. So (laughs) what things, what things did you say? Hey, this is what we need to start doing better with. So we came out sluggish. The first thing I changed was our pregame routine. And so I added in two things. And uh, one of them was just a chant. I was like, you know, neighboring towns do it. You know, the U.S. men's national team have their, you know, I believe chant. Like, we need to get hyped up. We need to get pumped up. Yeah. So we put in that. And, and what kids don't want to do that, you know. So that was just fun. That was the easy one. That's, you don't got to sell them on that. And then the other one was the nutrient timing. And so that's really about what to eat and when to eat it. And so, you know, carbohydrates are going to be our main source of fuel for soccer, but it's also important when we eat those, we don't always want to eat them, you know, around the clock. Some people might gain weight. Um, There's a lot of heavier science into, um, you know, carbohydrate sensitivity and you want to restrict it at some points of the day. And then you want to carb load at other points of the day. Um, so there's a ton of different ways to look at it. We kept it simple. And so a lot of teams have pasta parties, um, but we couldn't because of COVID. Mm-hmm. And so we had um, a virtual pasta party. And so <laughs> the next day I went out and I grabbed 
you know, I bought them all pasta, you know, the, the boxes and then like little mini uh, sauce jars. And I'm like, guys, we're not making excuses. We could, we could complain about how, oh, we would have more energy for, you know, have pasta bars. We're doing it tonight. We're jumping on a Zoom, eight o'clock. I'll see you there. Cook your pasta. Mom and diet ain't, ain't going to cook it. I want you guys to cook it and then uh, bring your pasta to the Zoom. We'll eat together. So uh, we got the carbs in us the night before. That was a big one. Then also the day of for the nutrient timing. So what uh, the recommendations I gave them were to eat a decent sized meal, you know, preference matters. Some kids don't like to plan a full stomach, uh, but a decent sized meal with a focus on carbohydrates about four hours before the game. And so you could start at, you know, four and a half hours, finish by four. And then we'd have another small snack um, an hour and 15 minutes before the game. And then Gatorade was optional during the game. And so by timing, when we eat those carbohydrates, they're going to be even more effective. So that's the skinny on nutrient timing. And, and to get them to do it was another kind of level of leadership. And I was on the captains. I was like, hey, guys, I can tell you, I can tell everyone, you know, it's all blue in the face but they might not do it until they hear from you. And so at that point of the season, we were struggling and the captains were, were on board for anything, you know, to help us to turn it, turn things around. So, um, so we got kids bringing snacks on the bus. We got them bringing pasta to, to lunch and school. And uh, I did see an improvement in the energy in the game, which was, which was uh, a great sign. I think that's so cool that you're giving them opportunities that that they have to take care of. Like the, I'm sure you talk about sleep, hydration, all those types of things that these kids just want to, like, even I'm, you know, I talked to my, I have teenage boys um, and a teenage daughter and they constantly eat like airheads and junk like that. And I'm like, and they, they're like, yeah, it doesn't bug me. I'm like, I know. Cause you're 17 right now or 18 and your metabolism is ridiculously high right now, but yeah it's not doing anything for you. That's why you're sluggish and then you stay up late and all that kind of stuff. So I think it's really cool that you made it something uh, important for them and then to involve them in the zoom and stuff, I think was, that's an awesome idea. Um, especially because mm -hmm. I, I know with your background, like you're living that, like I need to have my energy for teaching. I need my energy to coach. Yeah. So guess what boys, I'm eating similar stuff. Like I'm doing the carbs and stuff four hours before our game. Cause I can't be walking on the sidelines in like a zombie. Yeah, absolutely. And then the, the zoom pasta parts was just a fun team building thing. Then, you know, the goofballs come out and everyone's ragging on each other. So that part was, <laughs> that was awesome. I'm sure there were some that didn't cook the pasta correctly or. Oh, I believe bad. it. They're eating it very authentic. It was very undercooked for some reason, <laughs> not on purpose. But I coach, at least I'm eating it of some some sort yeah. of yeah yeah that's awesome i've never yeah i've never heard of nutrient timing um uh, yeah i was telling like and i i've never been really specific it's something i'm gonna i might uh tap into you a little bit more even beyond this chat here about some ideas for sure for my guys because i know you need as much energy as possible in it i'm sure do you guys play like a lot of games in a short period of time this year, yeah. So uh, this year we had Tuesday, Thursday games, which a lot of coaches weren't happy about. So um, I think they did that to avoid football. And there's a lot of politics behind it. But COVID obviously made us change a lot. And that was a weird one. And then we, yeah, we, some stretches we had, I think like five games in like 
12 days or something wide like that. So yeah, we had a we had quick turnarounds for sure. So what were, now that you look back on the first year, and I know COVID makes everything kind of take everything with a grain of salt, but what were some of the things that you look back and go, okay, I'm going to do something a little bit different. Like what's one or two things that you've already thought I'm going to do something that was a little bit different this time. Or what do we need? Like that team building. That's awesome. I need to do more of that or whatever. Sure. Um, so one of the things I wanted to, to do more of uh, was, was practices with uh, freshmen, JV and varsity all in the same field combined. Um, and we did some mirror sessions mm-hmm. in the beginning of the, uh, the season because schedules lined up and it was a lot easier. And so we would do a session and then the JV and freshmen were combined. They were here and like, they would come watch our demo and then they would go do it. And then they would watch the next drill and then they would do it. So we got some sense of it that way, but I was actually talking to uh, a coach of mine, a friend of mine who I think is out in Oklahoma. And he says they do all their, almost all of their practices combined and they'll do like a circuit style. So they'll have the freshman coach, they'll have uh, JV coach and, and varsity coach and uh, they'll run three different stations and then the varsity team stays together and then they rotate to each station so every coach coaches every level you know at, at the drill they're at and I'm sure they uh, you know modify it for the different levels and they have progressions and regressions uh, but I love that idea and that's what I want to do more of I want to have you know freshmen be next to a senior in the warm-up lines which is something I didn't get to do as much this year, especially couldn't do it this year, really, because the cohorts, we groups of 10, we couldn't like mix, but, but yeah, that's one thing. I love that idea. Cause that's one that I look back and I felt like I put all my focus on my varsity group and I put a lot of energy into them and I let my team yeah. kind of play. And then I'm realizing now, as I go to the off season and I look and I'm going, Oh man, that's my future. That's I need yeah. three or four of those dudes, five of those dudes to start to step up. So I need to, yeah. and I think that's awesome. Like you said, the other thing too is, um, so is it just you and, and the, your one assistant or how many are on your staff? So this is the first year that there was an assistant for the varsity team. So myself and then uh, John Bloms chair was my assistant. And then we had the JV coach and we did have a freshman coach. So we had four total um, for about 40 kids. Um, and that's, you know, kind of run of the mill around here. Some places have three coaches, some places there's a few places that have like six coaches on staff who have a very, you know, very well run program. But, um, but that's, that's how many we had for that. Is um, being head coach at EO Smith, is that your, are you, is that kind of where you're at or do you have any um, aspirations to maybe go back to the college level or, or are you just kind of keeping your, your, you know, journey wide open? I think, I think this is where I'm at. You know, the other entrepreneur side of me wants to say doors are always open and we're always keep things open, but, <laughs> um, but this is where I'm at. I love it here. Uh, like I said, it's a soccer town, you know, as I meet kids, parents and, and people on the booster club side and, and uh, people on other sides is, is this is, I think, where I'm at. This is where I want to hang my hat. So I'm, ha- I'm happy to be here. I think I'm going to be here a while. Maybe not 40 years like Coach Blomstrand, but maybe 39. <laughs> You'll win just one less than he did. He wins. 
Just out of respect, of course. <laughs> That's right. That's right. No, I'm not. I'm not catching him. I don't think many people are. There's one person who might be able to in Connecticut right now, but but that record's pretty safe. So, in your experience in Connecticut, what's the what's the soccer level of Connecticut soccer? It sounds like EO Smith has some studs come through. Is yeah, is Connecticut soccer as a whole pretty solid? In your opinion. It's pretty solid. Um, it's pretty legit. Um, and so some of those alumni I was talking about were, I think, in the late 80s, mid to late 80s. And um, Lyle Yorks is one of them. And he actually is now a soccer agent for a lot of professional athletes like Tyler Adams and, and I think even Clint Dempsey. And maybe he hasn't, uh, you know, been the sole manager, but he's been in the company and he's met them and, he, and he's worked with them. Um, so he's he's doing great. He's a stud now. And people like him, and he's actually said this recently in a podcast, is that he might not have played for Eo Smith back in the 80s if they had, uh, you know, MLS cat academies and uh, teams that compete in the MLS next. He might have been, you know, playing for one of those teams. Um, but we we've definitely had a good run. Uh, Connecticut, you know, has produced some of those some of those talents. And uh, it's hard to compare, I think, from state to state. Um, but, you know, we do we do have those pockets. Um, and then I'm coaching for Oakwood Soccer Academy, um, which competes in the MLS next. And uh, we had a player get drafted three or four years ago to – shoot, I forgot what team, but now he's at the Pittsburgh Riverhounds um, in the USL. And uh, so he's kind of climbing the ropes there and he might have a chance. So they'll, they'll produce uh, some draftees, you know, once in a while and, yeah. and probably not at the same frequency as New York or Texas or, um, you know, places like that. But, but you'll find some pockets where it's, it's pretty competitive. What's the age group that you're with at Oakwood? So that was the club team I told you I just started with right now. Cause uh, really just started a month or two ago. I did a lot of camps in the summer and I've known the staff for, for much longer. I played men's league at their facility, um, but I just kind of started. So right now he's just plugging me in to help with the groups of four training. Um, and tonight I coached the uh, 2012s. So you uh, ate um, oh, and that's where I'm at now. But, but that club as a whole, they'll go to, you know, tournaments, they'll go to Florida, they'll compete, you know, they're, they'll, they'll stand up and they'll, beat you know the new england revolution academy and they'll uh they'll go toe-to-toe with the new york red bull academy um and so they got you know those big clubs on their schedule and they're and they're right there neck and neck with them for sure that's awesome does so is there like yeah. a, it's an actual in, i'm a i'm a, ex, expecting the weather right now is like is there a lot of snow and freezing cold so it's all indoor oh yeah all indoor um i think it's 29 degrees out right now or something like that <laughs> But uh, the snow somehow just melted from recently. But yeah, we're indoors. So you ate. So you're you are spanning all over the place. It seems like you're. Oh yeah. You've got your hands in all these different little. That's got to be. That's so cool because you've gone. You've had. You have the middle school like teaching and coaching experience. You've done high school. You've played um, at a high level at Division three soccer. <coughs> so I, it's so cool. Does it change depending like the age groups that you have in those? those pods of four sometimes like you go in and it might not be the U8s next time. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right now it'll, it'll change and I'm, pl- I'm being plugged in to help out. But you know, my mentality is the teacher for uh, PE 
you get certified K to 12. Um, and so you, you go through college and you go through your clinical experiences, um, you know, at a, at a multitude of ranges and, and my mom was a teacher. And so it's kind of in me just like, you know, instructing and talking to and, and adjusting. So it is fun to do the different ages. Cause like, you know, you wait, you can say, all right, jump over that line a hundred times. They're like, okay. <laughs> and then, like you said, you go to high school and then sometimes they need to kick in the, the rear side to, to really get going. But, but it's fun doing it all. You know, I just love people and I love coaching and doesn't matter where I'm at pretty much. I think it's awesome that you're, you're, it seems like you're constantly trying to put yourself in spots to have an experience coaching wise, uh, be it back yeah. in the day when you said, Hey, I'll help out to, and I, you're always like seeking those opportunities, which I think is, is really cool. Cause this experience through this Oakwood, which sounds like they're, like you said, very competitive club is only going to make you a better coach, which therefore then helps you at EO Smith. Pretty much. Yep. Absolutely. The idea behind it. And like you said, I am always looking for those opportunities and just like me and you it worked out great. Yeah. I hear you. We had to bounce around a few days and, and cause you were, yeah. you're a busy man with all these trainings. So how often are you training right now with the club? So right now, twice a week. Um, and then before some like vacation stuff, you know, mixed in yeah, right with on. the schedule, but, uh, but twice a week right now, then I think that's what they'll do and have games on the weekend. And then sometimes, hopefully, you got a home game. But if not, you're driving to New York or New Jersey or wherever uh, to go compete. That's awesome. So their league plays in neighboring states as well. Yeah, yeah, a lot of travel, and and that's why sometimes they have a hard time getting coaches um, because you got to get people, you know, young like me. I don't have a family yet um, who is willing to to go. But like you said, it's kind of a uh, give and take and I'm hoping to just learn a lot I, I already have learned a lot to be honest from from the coaches I'm, I'm just around you know I think it's awesome just hearing like just from the beginning of our conversation to now the 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 experience of like Owen 16 and like your rival riding <laughs> crap on the field and then kind yeah. of you figuring out that hey I want to make more of this and then having an awesome experience at college with a great coach and now you end up kind of bookend with another great coach um, that's now leading you to, to the coaching realm and all that stuff. It's so freaking cool to go from like pretty much the bottom to now you're, you're in like a high level competitive type thing. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's fun, man. That's what it's about. I love doing it and it's enjoyable and I love putting myself in those positions and, that's what you got to do. You got to seek out those opportunities for yourself um, because anyone can do it. If you're, if you're willing to grow and, and, you know, learn and network and just have fun. For what, any of the, of your high school players to say, Hey coach, I'm thinking about playing at the college level. What are some of the things that you would say? Cause like you said, your journey was, um, you know, not atypical or I don't even know what typical is anymore. You know, I think people with like yeah. other people, they have say similar things like, yeah, it was June when I found out, or I know teachers get yeah, a yeah. job in August and they teach the next week and stuff. But what would be some, yeah. something you would say like, Hey, this is something you got to prepare for the, the difference between maybe high school and the jump to college or what things would help them make that transition. Yeah. Uh, going back to the recruiting thing, I do have kids right now, you know, uh, navigating that landscape. And, and that's why I tell them is you got to advocate for yourself. You got to seek out, you got to find the school you like, and then you have to contact that coach. 
um, and have a meaningful connection and call them on the phone. They'll just, you know, send them an email with the highlights as your first introduction. But um, to get ready to make that jump, um, you got to be competitive and, and you got to love, you got to love it and you got to know you want to do it. Um, and the kids at my high school that I'm thinking of now check all those boxes and, and they do love the game and they are competitive and, and it's something they want, they they'll be able to accomplish. And I, you know, I hope they had a similar experience. I hope they will have a similar experience to, to mine where you grow and you learn and, and you have a, a cool experience they can look back on and, and, and tap from, from the connections I made and the people I learned from. Um, but for the jump, yeah, most of them, most of them can make that jump physically. Um, weight training will be, will be part of that. That's another thing that my coach was, was big on. Um, and even if you're not the biggest guy, you still just have to be physical. You have to be able to, uh, to compete. Um, so the, the kids I'm thinking of the schools, um, that they're thinking about going to the level of, you know, tactics and, and the level of skill won't be that big of a jump. I don't think anyone, you know, has to make wholesale changes to be able to compete it at that level. So, um, more on the, you know, just maturity side and, and have it being a right fit. The one thing I heard and I love it is you said, look, if you're going to do it, you got to be all in, like go yeah. and crush it, compete, love it. Um, love the experience, take as much from it. Like you said, from your experience, like, look, I went into it and just went all in and mm -hmm. came of it, came of it. And now it, it, it puts you to where you're at now. I think that's awesome. And it's, they have a huge um, you know, resource having you going through that plus being in the state of Connecticut for, you know, it sounds like your entire life. Therefore, yeah. you know, you know, you know, you've got some connections to us, which is awesome for those kids. I, I think that's, that is sweet. Yeah. Um, thank you. Appreciate but, it. Uh, Mike, I've, I have thoroughly enjoyed this. This thing has been awesome. Uh, if others want to connect with you, what's a, what's a good way to kind of keep up and uh, check in on EO Smith and what Mike's doing and what's Oakwood soccer doing and all those types of things. For sure. You can uh, Google Oakwood, um, Oakwood soccer Academy in Connecticut, Glassbury, Connecticut, that'll pop up um, in the process of getting um, an Instagram and a Twitter for the EO Smith account. So I don't have one of those yet for the soccer side. You can uh, check out their high school one, but I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. That's how we connected. Um, and then search my name and I can spell uh, that for you. So it's Mike Rattlebeck, R-A-D-L-B-E-C-K. Uh, hit me up on either one of those. And uh, eventually you'll be led to the new soccer, uh, Eosmith Smith soccer Instagram, which we're going to, we're going to take over next. So be on the lookout. <laughs> that's awesome. And I'll also put in the notes and everybody that's followed me on Twitter and Instagram and all the other social stuff that I put out. Um, I'll put all his info down so you can connect with uh, him. This was another opportunity for me to kind of chat with another coach that's gone through some really cool, you know, ups and downs. It ain't always pretty. Um, but I think tons of value from the stuff that you said. I can't wait for people to, to watch and listen. And I'm excited to yeah. stay connected and see where you head. Uh, Thank at. you. So I'll wrap up real quick. Hey, this is Karen with Coach's Corner Chats. And I'm out. Peace.